Hey y'all, welcome to Epic Experiences, where we encourage people and inspire communities. I am your host, Sunitra Skillern. Uh, today is going to be just a little bit different because your girl is solo dolo today. Um, and I think I needed to do this uh, in order to really kind of hone in on the topic of the day. And I was trying and grasping at Who's going to join me? Who's going to join me? Who's going to join me? And then when I didn't come up with anyone, I said, this is because you're supposed to be doing this on your own. You're supposed to be doing this um, and sharing out of your epic experience today. So I answered the call and I'm here um, to talk about uh, something that is uh, ongoing, near and dear to my heart, but I know something that can also resonate with a lot of people. And so um, I'm going to take us on a little bit of a journey um, that is called Unpacking My Excuses. And so it is It is just a ride that has just started many years ago, has kind of moved forward um, to now, um, and I just connected some dots, and I wanted to share um, those dots with you all. And so I thank you in advance for listening. I thank you for the support that I received um, with the podcast so far. I am um, humbled by the amount of um, views that I see that are being done over the various platforms. And um, I do this out of love and passion. Um, but I also know that for someone to sit and listen to you or listen to you and a few other folks talk and give up an hour of their time, whether it's, you know, all in one shot or over a couple different uh, pauses and, you know, stops and starts. But it is amazing and I am grateful. And I just wanted to take this couple seconds to say thank you all who continue to listen and support. It is much appreciated to share in this labor of love. So unpacking my excuses. Well, what are my excuses and what are my excuses about? So I'm going to give you a little bit of background. So about two, almost three weeks ago, the church I attend here in Cleveland, Ohio, New Community Bible Fellowship, had a women's event. And the women's event was called No More Excuses. And so in this women's event, um, we were really, they were really unpacking um, three gifts and the gifts that were given to us during that time together the first gift was the gift of fresh faith next was the gift of assignment and third was the gift of choice and so in that we were talking about um, or we were being told about um, the opportunity to not be stuck but how do we identify those excuses and then from that, what do we do with that once we know what those excuses are? And so I'm going to reference this conference um, a little bit now as background. And then as we push forward to the end, I'll come back and talk about what the conference meant. And in that conference, um, there was a book that was mentioned called The Power to Change. And I started reading this book before the conference, coincidentally. Um, and the book is by Craig Groeschel. And the book is, I'm only in chapter one, y'all. In chapter one, he has really tapped into some deep-seated 
um, belief systems in me. And again, I'm just in chapter one. So I'm like, where is this book going to take me? Number one. Um, and also this conference has birthed a small group. And so from, uh, the women's event, there's four small groups that are happening over the next six weeks. And so we're using this book, the power to change to kind of fuel the conversations and fuel the, um, fuel the, um, the work that needs to happen once you come off of an event called no more excuses. And so in that, um, the excuse, the, what I'm going to unpack, the topic that I'm going to address today with regards to me personally is the journey of weight loss. <laughs> so it is, it's something that I have been traveling back and forth, up and down, you know, back, you know, however you want to call it for a lot of years of my adult life. And so... Um, this conference really highlighted some important things for me under the topic of weight loss. And so I really want to sit before you and unpack these excuses with regards to my weight loss journey over the past almost 20 years. And so the history of my weight loss journey. So it's epic, y'all. <laughs> because it, uh, again, I'm not saying this like I'm the only person this has happened to. This is my unique experience, but I think it's unique because it's mine, but it's common because multiple folks can resonate on having some sort of struggle, battle with weight loss or healthy eating or, you know, whatever uh, topic or however you frame it. I think a lot of people can resonate with this, both male and female. This is not a female problem or a female journey. This is something that just um, plagues a lot of us. So where do I start? Um, as a kid, I was always heavier. And, and I think about it when I was a child, I considered myself to be heavier even through my teen years. But as an adult, when I look back on those pictures, girl, you wasn't hardly big. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I was not big. But in that moment, because I was bigger, that whole comparison thing we go through, bigger than my peers around me or my classmates or my family members, then I was considered to be big. But uh, no. And I wish now that if I could speak to my, you know, past self, I'd be like, girl, you better, you got some, um, you got some curves, but you ain't hardly big. So stop thinking that about yourself. So um, after college and into adulthood, I gained a lot of weight. I gained more weight. So, you know, the freshman 15 and not really paying attention to your eating habits. You're just moving and grooving and doing life and living life and, you know, all those things. So I didn't really pay attention to my weight gain. I knew I was getting bigger because I knew I had to go try on larger and larger sizes. But at no stretch did I think about Anything like that, especially in my 20s. Then I discovered the picture. What's the picture? Well, I was going through some, because this is pre-cell uh, phone for the most part. And so I didn't have a phone that I was flipping through and looking at photos. I was going through the actual pictures that someone took with a camera and was in a little envelope sleeve or whatever. So I come across this picture 
and I'm looking at myself sitting on a couch. And when I'm looking at myself on this picture, in this picture on this couch, it looks like I'm sitting on top of someone else. Like I'm the picture it's it's an it didn't look real to me, but it was real because it was me. So I'm like, what in who is that? Harpo who this woman? <laughs> okay. But it was me in the picture. So I'm like, all right. Stop, pump the brakes. You know, do do flag on the play. Uh, I have to do something. I have to make some kind of change because I didn't, you know, my life wasn't impeded. Like I was working, I was doing, I was, I was hanging out, kicking it. I think by this time I was even married. I wasn't even thinking about um, any type of physical impact on myself. <clears throat> but looking at that picture, I decided to make a change. And so this was early 2000s, maybe 2003, 2004. No, maybe 2005, because my daughter was about two. So about 2005 is when I started this, okay? I'm going to do something. Weight loss journey. Let's go. So I was working for um, this company in downtown Cleveland. And so it just so happens they had this weight loss program come into the, into the company. And it was a homegrown program, meaning there was a man who had lost a whole lot of weight and then he developed this homegrown program. So he came in and he had these huge binders. You paid however much money you paid. Um, he let us break it up over payments. This is before Klarna and before Affirm and before all those quad pays and zips and all that stuff. You actually, um, he broke it up over however many payments. And so he gave us this huge binder um, with all of these recipes and um things we need to do and rules to follow and all of that and we would have weekly weigh-ins so during it was during our lunch break so you would come to this conference room sit in here he would have a topic we would weigh in talk do all the things right and it was pretty pretty straightforward pretty easy it was new to me i never had any kind of organized you know weight loss group experience up until that point i also joined the company gym we had a, a physical fitness center um, on one of the floors in the building. Like it was the whole floor was the gym. There was group exercise classes. There were showers, lockers. There were there was a um, whole room of machines, weights, all of that. Everything on this one floor in the building. It was amazing. And it was super cheap. Um, and so payroll deduction for that. So it was like this was working out. We were, no pun intended. I was going to the company gym on my lunch break. On the other, another time on lunch break, I'm meeting this group of people and we are all doing the same thing. We're all working toward the same goal of losing weight. Then the homegrown program fell off. I'm not sure what happened with him, but it just disbanded after the, uh, whatever the, however many weeks the program was, six months or whatever, after that. He didn't renew. I don't know if something happened with him and the company or he just disbanded the company. I don't know, but he was gone. So I'm like, ooh, because um, I'm going to tell y'all something about me. I am a all or nothing girl. This is retrospect. This is hindsight. I know this about me. I need both things to work together. If I'm working out, I need to eat right. If I eat right, I need to work out. If one of those is gone, I'm not doing the other. Like, that's that's just something I've learned about me. 
So with that program being gone, I'm like, mm. now at this time, I don't know that about me. I'm just like, oh shoot, I guess I can just follow it. Cause we still had the binder. So I'm just following his recipe. still trying to hang on and do what he said. Then shortly after, um, a nationally known weight loss program came to the place I was working. So I'm like, yes, a replacement. Sounds great. It was cheaper. Um, of course, it was nationally known, so it was run a whole lot better and more efficient. There was no huge binder. You know what I'm saying? The resources were, you know, better, and it was just a better program. So I was like, bet, let's go. So I had my workouts because I was going to the gym every day, and I had my food program. Cool. All things work together for good uh, for those who are who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes, right? <laughs> so I'm like, let's go. So my consistency builds, my momentum builds, and then the number is established. So this nationally known weight loss program had a number based on my height. Now I'm 5'6". They told me that to me go weight, I need to be between 135 and 155 pounds. Um, uh, yeah, that's not going to work. Because 135 pounds on this frame, yeah, I, I would look sick. I knew that that wasn't, it wasn't attainable, number one, a sustainable, and I knew it just, it didn't make sense for, for me, I, 135, no. 155 is pushing it, but uh, maybe. So as I was, you know, going into the program, I was like, this this can't work. I'm 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 already feeling a little defeated because I'm gonna be doing this forever. I'm never gonna reach lifetime status. And the leader told me that if my if I consulted with my doctor and they give me um if me, my doctor and I agree on a weight that's sustainable for me, that he could write that up, I could bring it in and they will put that in as my goal weight. I was like, oh, you ain't said nothing but a word. Because I went to my doctor and told him the weight range, and he also didn't agree. He said, that that doesn't sound healthy to me. So we decided on a weight. We decided on 185 pounds. Now, for 5'6", 185, I mean, it sounds attainable and sustainable for me. Sounds good to me. He writes it up. I bring it in, give it to the leader. She puts it in my file. The number is set. Now I have a goal. Because before I didn't have a goal. It was just like, I just want to lose weight. Now I have a goal. The number is established. Again, let's go. So now I'm trying to get to the number. Doing what I can to get to the number. I'm keeping my workouts up. Keeping my eating habits up. I got all the tools from the weight loss program. It's going pretty well. But then I started to go into... I need it faster. I want I want it to be faster than what, what it was what was happening. I was kind of, you know, one to two pounds per week is what you should do. And I'm like, that sounds good, but I got a lot of weight to lose. And I'm trying to get to the number. So now I'm doing two-a-day workouts. I'm working out at the work gym at my job, but I'm also doing other things. I'm working out. I'm going to the park. I'm walking. I'm doing things in the basement at home. I'm doubling up on my workouts. The church I attend does a fast um, at the beginning of every year. 
And so this particular year, um, when we started the fast, um, and we just, you know, we decide what type of fast we're going to do. And so you would think as a healthy minded person, I would pull back and say, okay, because I know I'm fasting, I know that I'm concentrating on, you know, I should be concentrating on, you know, what is God trying to say to me during this fast? Um, I'm going to go back to the one workout per day and I'm going to, you know, maintain my eating in a, in a, such a way that I am not hurting myself physically. Nah, keep up the two a days, um, still eating or sticking to the fast, you know, strictly, um, drinking water and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm full out running on the treadmill. Like I'm doing the most. I was going to weigh in every week and I'm hitting almost 10 pounds down in a week. Now, the first time it happened, I'm like, okay, this is because of the first week of the fast. But now I want, it, I want more. We, we fasted for like a month or something like that. So, okay, let's go. So then my focus shifts and it doesn't, it's no longer, you know, is God speaking to me? It's, oh, I can use this to get to the number. All right, bet, let's go. So now, every week I go, I'm dropping maybe like an average of seven pounds a week, which is still way more than I should. So over the course of a month, I think I drop over a little over 20 pounds in a month. So it's super good to me now. Like I'm really getting to the number, you know, I'm doing these things. I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was losing weight. I was feeling good. I was felt I was looking good and I'm having more and more success and I'm getting closer to the number. One Sunday, and I will never forget this, one Sunday I'm at church, and one of the uh, ministers comes up to me, and he knows me, knows my husband, knows my family, and I'm just standing, we just talking, it's like before church starts, when you just kind of, you know, chit-chatting and um, fellowshipping and things, and he comes up to me, puts his hand on my hand, I say, good morning, he says, good morning, and he looks at me and says, don't lose no more weight. I think you're good right where you at. <laughs> now, this was 15, at this point, 2006-ish, 7-ish. Um, hmm. So, yeah, what's that? At this point, 16 years ago? And I still remember him saying that? Like, and I was like, I got to get to the number. Like, I'm about... I'm still about 25 pounds from that number. Like, mm -mm, I got that. I'm still full steam ahead. And so I kept doing what I was doing. The fast was over, so I'm still doing my two a days. The weight loss slowed down, of course, because I wasn't, you know, fasting and, and, and eating like one meal a day. <clears throat> I'm back to my normal or regular eating habits per the weight loss program. And so I go back to my normal, you know, two, two and a half pounds a week. So, okay, fine. I'm regulated. I'm still in line. Now, the height of this whole thing is uh, this fashion show I, I did. Now, if you remember a store called Fashion Bug, <laughs> or not, because it's no longer, they used to do in-store fashion shows. And at my highest weight, I did the fashion show. I was like, hey, I'm cute. My baby was about two years old. 
I said, I'm cute. I'm going to get in this fashion show. I, you got to go there, pick out an outfit. You signed up, picked out an outfit, um, walked in the fashion show. Because they had like a long aisle in the, the way the store was constructed. So you walked this aisle, you invited your friends and your family and such, and then you got a discount on outfit. I could do that. So I did it. And um, this is before I even started my weight loss journey. So I did that. So fast forward, I'm in year two, two and a half of my weight loss journey. It comes up again. Oh, I know I'm doing it now. My little clavicle showing, my neck skinny. I'm, I'm in it. I'm, I'm doing this again. So same thing, same store. I go in, pick out an outfit, um, walk the runway, I get a uh, discount on outfit. So I have the pictures because I invited my friends and family to both of them. I got the pictures from the first one. And then I have the pictures from the second one that I did after I had been working out for like almost two years. You know, eating right or whatever. And the difference is drastic. Now this is pre-Facebook. Like I was, there was no Facebook. I wasn't on Facebook. So I literally have the printed pictures side by side looking like, OMG, this is amazing but I'm still not at the number. So now in hindsight, it's OMG, but in the moment it was, yeah, but I gotta get to the number. I ain't at the number yet, so no need to celebrate. I'm gonna walk down this aisle and, and smile and take pictures, but tomorrow I'm gonna get back to work because I gotta get to the number. So then I'm back at it. The tide starts to turn. I get sick. I start getting this nagging cough. Like, I feel like it's a cold. So with a cold and, you know, upper respiratory and congestion, I can't do cardio. I can't hardly do anything because I'm coughing and I don't feel well. But I can't shake it. So I'm like, oh, it's just seasonal. It's around springtime. So I'm like, ugh. I just take some cold medicine, I'll be fine. Spring turns to summer, summer, and it's going month after month, and I'm like uncontrollably coughing. It was so bad. And remember I said, I'm an all or nothing girl. If I'm working out, I'm eating right. If I'm eating right, I'm working out. One of those falls off, I'm not doing the other one. So I'm not going to the gym. I can't go to the gym. So then I'm like, forget it. What's the point of me eating right? What's the point of me doing the other thing if one thing is falling off? So I stop because I'm sick and I don't know what's wrong with me. So I'm going to the doctor. It's bronchitis. Take this antibiotic. Do this, do that. I'm not getting better. Finally, go to pulmonary doctor. I have asthma. They tell me I have, it could be seasonal asthma, but at this point I have asthma. So now breathing treatments, um, inhalers, um, Advair, this little mist. What I have this whole regimen of things I have to do now to get my lungs and get my respiratory back on track. Okay. Okay. But now I have this thing. I don't know where it fits in. Can I work out? Do I take my inhaler? Do I take it as needed? Do I take, I don't know what to do with this thing. So then everything, it felt like a screeching halt, but it was over months. So now I'm not going to the gym anymore. 
I'm not eating right anymore. I'm just not. They go they go hand in hand. And if one is not there, neither is the other. So, what happens? I start to gain the weight back. Slowly but surely. Remember, so at this point, I'm at about 2008, 2009. Yep, almost 2010. So a few years, and I don't, I'm kind of sporadic and I fall off and then nothing is happening. I never got to the number. I looked good. I felt, I felt better physically, but mentally, I wasn't good. Cause I didn't get to the number. So then now years go by. I'm just back in the swing of life. I ain't thought about doing none of that no more. I'm cool. Cause I'm, you know, I'm just back into the swing. It's, it's in the past. That's over with. I'm managing the asthma. Now it turned out to be seasonal. Asthma is not severe. You know, the, 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 um, the inhaler and the Advair and those things work. And so I'm like, okay, I'm better now. So now fast forward, hold on to your shirts to March of 2020. Yeah, the pandemic year. <laughs> so we, we, we way down the line. So I've gained every pound back, every ounce, every inch I have gained back. But I ain't thought nothing about it. I didn't think I was a fair. I didn't think anything. I was like, it, it just, it is what it is. Right? Pandemic. Well, let's, the extended spring break happens for me as an educator. So I go home for what I thought was three weeks. We know the story. We know what happens. So now we inside. We ain't outside. We inside. So being inside and like, okay, what can I do? Cause I'm, I'm I'm in the house like I'm I'm not going stir crazy but I'm like well okay let's what can I do in the house I was like well mm, I do have a step because I like uh, step aerobics got a step I got some weights got a TV in the basement got YouTube down there let's just do some workouts and see how about that what that do because I'm bored at this point so it's not a boredom. All right, so I start getting that old flame back. Like, oh, I remember how to work out. I know how to put an outfit together to go work out and sweat and, you know, all this stuff. I think I can do this. And this time it will be different because I'm different. You know, I know the whole I'm not, you know, I ain't going to do it like this. I'm going to do it like that. I ain't going to be the same. You know, my asthma's under control, so I ain't going to be sick. And then I'm talking to myself, getting it all together. Doing my YouTube workouts. I rejoined the um, the weight loss program online this time because we inside. I can't go nowhere. I'm inside. So I do it online. Everything is online. And I'm a self-motivator because I'm doing it, you know, I, I'm doing it independently, meaning I'm in the house. So I can't go to the gym. I can't take a group exercise class. I'm doing this all me. Right? Right. Even try some of the challenges that were out then. Because right now, you know, by now we got social media. We all over the Facebook, all over the Instagram. 
So I'm doing all the challenges, you know, that I even did the jump rope challenge. Ordered a jump rope, got the jump rope. Went outside, did the jump rope. Uh, yeah, no. Quickly, I learned uh, my knees uh, don't like the constant jarring of my feet hitting the pavement <laughs> repeatedly with a jump rope. So after I did it once, I said, okay, I timed it. I did a little rounds or whatever. The next day, I could barely stand up. I said, okay. That's a limitation for me. I quickly said, no jump rope challenge for me. I'm going to stick to what's kind to my knees and, you know, which makes a sweat for me, but I ain't about to kill myself. Okay? Cool. So remember, I already know what the number is from the last time I did this years ago. That's still my number. Still trying to get to the number. So I got it. Right? Right. But I also remember I'm all or nothing. I eat right, I work out. If I work out, I eat right. If one of those is missing, the other one falls. Remember that. Once the gym opens up, oh, I joined the gym and I started going. Now I was masked up. I had the whole garb on. You couldn't see. None of you only saw my eyes because I was covered up, had a hat on, but nothing going to touch me. I was not going to get sick. Plus, there was nobody in the gym. Like, nobody was coming outside. So, I was going super early in the morning. I was working from home. I was teaching from home. So, we were doing remote learning. And so, I was able to go in the morning. It, it all fit so nicely into my life structure. So, I'm like, this time, it's going to be different. Because I'm different. Right? Right. I wasn't doing two-a-days. I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm different. But I was focused on well-rounded workouts. So I was getting my cardio in. I had my strength days. I was doing Tabatas. I had all, looking on it. I was doing it right. I was pacing myself. But I was going to get to the number. But I was going to do it differently. Because I'm different. So I consistently worked out the entire time I was at home working. Got up in the morning, went to the gym, came back, did did my whole online teaching thing. Sometimes in my workout clothes, don't judge me. Sometimes I was able to <laughs> shower and change and, and look like a teacher online. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. It's all right. This time I was documenting my success on social media. Not because I was an expert or not because um, I didn't overly do it. But I'm like, this is, this is my community. It's my people. So I'm going to show, you know, I'm going to talk about it, do a little selfie in the gym, you know, just kind of share this out of my experience, just out of the sense of it's good to talk about, you know, your life and what you're doing. So as I did that, the end of the school year 2021 was coming. So remember, I've been home since March of 2020. Um, so the end of the 1920 school year, I was home. Then all summer of 2020, then school year 2020 to 2021, I taught from home. That's a long time to kind of get this solid and get this regimented and have it fit nicely in the time that I had placed it in. Till we found out that we'd be going back in person in the school year 20, uh, 2021 to 22. 
I said no. Like Theo from the Cosby Show. No problem. I got this. Worked out over the summer. Figured that I was going to fit it in. You know, once I got back into school. Okay, I'm going to go before school. Or I'm definitely going to make, uh, make time to go after work. I'll bring my stuff. Eager beaver. Ready to go. Let's do it. Because I'm different. Right? Right. Until I started the school year for 21-22. If you are an educator, you know that that was the most hellish experience in the education field ever. To come back in person learning after, not even after the pandemic, while it was still happening. We were hybrid, then not, then in-person, uh, grade level shut down, just a mess. The kids didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. We thought we were going to be doing business as usual. Uh, wrong. <laughs> we didn't know what business was because everybody was different and not in the best way. So where do my workouts fit in this? Um, They don't. Because at the end of every day, I was a piece of Swiss cheese. <laughs> I had holes in me. <laughs> I was tired. I was mad. I was everything. And the last thing I thought about doing was changing clothes and going to the gym. I was changing clothes and going to bed. That's what I was doing. And so remember, if I'm not working out, I ain't eating right. And I'm a stress eater. So, um, yeah, there's that. <laughs> so, I'm eating my feelings. I'm making myself feel, you darn right, I'm going to have this five guys. I had a hard day. Yes, I'm drinking this shake. I, I had a hard day. No, I'm not going to the gym. My everything hurts. My brain hurts. My back hurts. My I'm tired of talking. I don't want to listen. I don't want to do nothing but sit in one spot and not talk. So where does that get me? Nowhere. Right. It gets me to the point where same thing that happened after I got sick with the first weight loss journey happened now. And this is recent. So I'm literally unpacking this recently. I gained the weight back. Not every pound, but so close to every pound. So close to every pound. And so now that I'm in this space and, and thinking about the unpacking my excuses, I had to, when I decided to talk about this, I had to say, what were my excuses? I had to parallel both of these weight loss journeys and say, what were my excuses? The first weight loss journey, my excuse was my sickness. I can't do it because I can't navigate the new normal of managing my sickness, figuring out what the sickness was. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm sick. I can't do it. I can't do cardio with asthma. I can't. I'm not everybody else. I can't do that. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to cough and hack and I feel bad and all those things. 
what were my excuses with my second weight loss journey? <sighs> going back to in-person school. Going back in the building. I can't do it because I'm tired. This year is hard. Nobody understands. This is crazy. This is the hardest year in education I've ever had. And blah, 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 blah. All the things. One excuse that kind of transcended both of these journeys. Maybe I'm just supposed to be this way. There's nothing wrong. I'm cute. I know how to dress this body. I know what clothes to put on. I know what's flattering. I know this and that. Maybe it's cool. And I'm just supposed to be this way. So I'm just going to be this way. I'm going to think about it every now and again. I'm going to, you know, have a salad here and there. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to do these things. But maybe it's not meant for me to get to the number. Because the number has not been attainable to this point yet. What's the problem with my excuses? And these are questions I ask myself and really struggle answering them. So what's the problem with my excuses? The problem is I am placing power in the hands of an event or a circumstance. I am acting like I have no control. That it's out of my control. So I relinquish my power. I have none. Nope. Asthma did it to me. This is a byproduct of the pandemic where it just killed every bit of my aspiration and joy to do anything great for myself. So forget it. I, ref I deflected. I put it off on something else. I took no responsibility and did not hold myself accountable at all. I had excuses. And, and excuses that sounded good to me. And it fit. So why not? Just let them live. So now I'm going to pull us forward to this event that I went to um, at my church. And shout out to the women's ministry team there at New Community. When I tell you the time that went into this No More Excuses event, the prayer that went into it, the coordination, the the love and care to be able to speak to us matter-of-factly and, and, and not allow us to sit in a space of excusing ourselves from the things that we know we're supposed to be doing. And so in this book, the Power to Change by Craig Groeschel. Again, remember, I'm only in the first chapter. And so the beauty about God is when he has a plan for you and wants you to do something, um, he won't leave you alone. <laughs> to the point where you're like, again? Yes, again. Remember, I was reading this book before the event. I had just started the book, but reading this book before the event, the book was talked about at the conference. I knew that there were going to be um, small groups that were going to come out of this conference. So I get a phone call 
to say, hey, do you want to be a part of the team uh, that's going to lead one of these small groups? What? Do I? I've never led a small group before, ever. I've been in plenty of them. But I've never led or co-led one at all, ever. So, I say yes. The six weeks, I can do anything for six weeks, right? <laughs> so I said, yes. What's the book? Power to Change. Wait, what? So this book is all around me, all. So it's not um, an accident. This is by divine appointment <laughs> that I am supposed to be reading this book um, and applying it to the excuses in this area. Now, do I have multiple areas that I can look at and that I can unpack? 100%. I got a lot of them, but I can't spread myself too thin. No pun intended. <laughs> I really need to focus on this area because this is the one that came up to me first and the first, the one that was forefront in my mind as I'm sitting as an audience member receiving these great gifts from these powerful women who spoke on March 18th. So I'm going to talk about the workbook that came with uh, this book, Power to Change. When I read the first paragraph, because I'm preparing for the class that actually starts um, in a couple days. Actually, it's what's today. It starts tomorrow. <laughs> So prepare for this. I'm reading the workbook and, you know, I'm with the team and we're talking about it. And I read this first paragraph and I said, who told Craig Rochelle my life? Who who blabbed? Who, who let him know? Who peeked behind my curtain to put it on page 15 of this workbook? Because what is it talking about? It says, for example, an incident from childhood or a hurtful comment made a decade ago becomes the catalyst for someone consistently thinking of themselves as overweight no matter how much they weigh or how much weight they lose. What is the likelihood that the first session, the example that they use, is the excuse that I'm examining? Me trying to unpack why is it that I never get to the number? Why is it that I allow something, a circumstance, an event to derail me to fall off and then I go back to my status quo? Or I sit still and, and sit in what's comfortable and normal for me? Why is that? Well, and I don't have the full and complete answer, so I am literally living this out so this is probably a part one <laughs> to, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of, um, a couple of episodes as it should be. But I have to figure out what's my false identity because I'm believing something about myself that's not true. I'm believing something about myself that maybe somebody said to me that I just don't remember or just that comparison that we do when if I'm if I'm the biggest person, I must be big and something must be wrong. Hmm. 
I, I don't know that yet. But I'm dealing with a false identity. And I believe in something about myself that's not true. I do know that each time I tried, I failed. I failed. Each time I tried. I'm an all or nothing girl. Either I'm going to do all of it or I'm going to do none of it. And that's a theme in other areas of my life. But I'm staying focused and thinking about weight loss. If I work out, I eat right. If I eat right, I work out. One of those things is gone. The other one is going to fall shortly after. And I was too focused on the number. That was the goal. 185 was the goal. Both times. It was always the goal. And in one of the gifts that we were given at that conference, Sister Tanya James said, the goal is not the end result. And she was talking about um, healthy living and weight loss in particular. She said, the goal is not the end number. The goal is in the day. If and when I get up and go work out that day, I've hit my goal for the day. When I eat well and I make those choices because I meal prep and I do the things that I do, I've hit my goal for the day. If I'm not saying that and, I, and I'm going to go on a limb and say, I'm not saying she's not saying that it's not good. It's that it's, you shouldn't have an intern. Like you shouldn't, okay, I want to lose 15 pounds or whatever. We're not saying that. But when that's the only focus, you don't celebrate and you don't, you don't recognize that you are achieving in the moment. And looking back, that's where I was. It didn't matter that I had literally dropped, once you add it all up, over 100 inches over my body between my waist and my thighs and my arms and all of that. My clavicle was showing, y'all. The bones right here up, up at the base of your neck. Come on now. I didn't, I didn't care about that because I wasn't at the number. It didn't matter to me. And so not having enough sense in the, in the moment to recognize that Every day that I did those things, I was hitting my goal. It wasn't it wasn't real to me yet. So I didn't celebrate it. And so then when I didn't hit the number, I failed. And then I sat in that. And I all the wheels just fell off. And I just went back to what was normal for me and comfortable for me. And so when I do that, when I did that both times, I thought about what it says in the word. And it talks about basically not bringing tomorrow's trouble into today. Tomorrow has a trouble of its own. Let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. Because we got enough to do in today. 
and I'm sure I'm paraphrasing it. But basically, that's what it's saying. And that's what I was doing. I couldn't even think about today because I was so far into all the tomorrows that I was never, I wasn't content in every situation. I wasn't content at all. Somebody would compliment me on it or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but I'm still not there. Yeah, but I'm still not. Yeah, but I'm still not. Yeah, but I'm still not. It's like somebody saying, girl, that dress is cute. And you're like, oh, this, I have to iron it. Or, oh, this, oh, I, you know, I only pay $5 for it. As opposed to just saying, thanks, girl, I appreciate you. Or, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And not diminishing what's happening in the moment. So something I wrote in the margin, I said, out with the old, in with the new, based on what God says. And so the the other half of this is now that I recognize I have a false identity, which has caused me to allow these excuses to, to basically steal my joy and kind of derail me. Now I got to find out if I got a false identity What's the true identity? Who's my reference point? Because if I allow my circumstances and events in my life to be my my uh, my reference point, good grief, I'm going to be pulled in so many different directions because so many different things happen in our lives. But if I stand on, first of all, if I when I find out that my true identity is in what God says about me, that doesn't change. And so once I hold fast to that and internalize that, and that's work. When I internalize that, it gives me the opportunity to speak to that false identity. Because it's not going to go away. I'm, at, I'm 48 years old. Soon to be 49. This stuff is deep-rooted and ingrained in me. And so while I would like to think it's a magical wand and, a, you know, all of the, No, it's going to be some work. But I'm going to be working with the author of me. So if he wrote my book, I should listen to him. I should consult him. I should go to my creator and my designer and find out what he said about me. And then internalize that and allow that identity to reign true in me and speak to the false identity. So the work ahead that's coming. Now that I can identify the excuses or what I allow to derail me, what do I do with this moving ahead. What do I do with it? Well, I got a couple things written down here. Number one, this is not a game. I treated both of those weight loss journeys as games. The high score was the number. I was trying to get there. Actually, it was a lower score, but y'all know what I mean. The high score was the number. But this is not a game. It's about me recognizing 
that I need to make different choices. And that was the third gift. The first gift was a fresh faith. So my fresh faith is going to be my uh, speaking to my false identity with the truth of, what, of who God says I am. The second gift was my assignment. Uh, I got to take care of this temple that I'm going to be living in for, I don't know how many years I got. But I know my job and my assignment is to take care of it. And I was told on March 18th that I am not excused from my assignment. Thank you, Taylor James. I was not, I am not excused from my assignment. And then the third thing that was said, the third gift that was given to us by Tiffany Early was the gift of choice. So now that I know this is not a game, I get to choose what I'm going to do going forward. And she also let us know that when you don't make a choice, you're actually making a choice. So make the right one. So I know this is not a game. I can't treat it like a game. I can't operate. I can't manipulate and do, you know, I was doing things like um, day before weigh-in day, I was hardly eating anything. The day of weigh-in, I ate nothing. I didn't drink water, nothing until I got on that scale. That's not healthy thinking. It's a game because I'm like manipulating the scale. It's like, like, you know, you're in a sauna before weigh-in if you're a boxer and all that craziness that they do. And then you drink, you know, two glasses of water and gain 17 pounds or whatever. I'm sure that's not accurate, but y'all get the drift. I'm doing things to manipulate the moment. No, it's not a game. Things need to be sustainable and obtainable. And that wasn't that. Hence where I am right now. Now. I also have to identify my false identity. I know it was wrapped up in comparison. If I looked like such and such and so and so, I'd be happy. I even look at, I'm a, I'm a plus size woman. BBW, whatever moniker they want to put on it. Now, I don't, I'm not self-deprecating. Like, I don't walk around down to myself. Again, refer to, go back and rewind. I'm cute, and I walk in that to a degree. Now, I ain't conceited, but, you know, if you don't think you're cute, don't, don't nobody else think you're cute. Moving on. But I know I would take a look at other plus-size women and compare myself. It's like, Lord, I could be big, but can I just have skinny arms and legs so I could wear tank tops and, like, knee-length skirts? <laughs> Don't that sound crazy? But I've said it. I've said it. I'm comparing. I'm comparing my plus size body to somebody else's plus size. It sounds upside down and backwards. But my false identity is wrapped up in comparison. Comparing myself to somebody else. I'm not saying I want to be skinny. I want to be a different kind of big. Wait, what? <laughs> huh? Exactly. That, that makes no sense. I know it don't. And I don't have willpower. That's another part of my false identity. I ain't got no self-control. So, go eat the whatever. Fill in the blank. Just do it. 
And finally, like I said before, I'm just supposed to be this way. It's hereditary. I try hard. Again, I know how to dress this frame. I know how to do this and that. I just want to look good in my clothes, blah, 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 all this stuff to just keep me stuck. All these excuses, which is basically my false identity. Again, this is not going to be changed overnight. But as I work through this book, work through this workbook, and go through this class, I'm doing it with expectation. I'm doing it with a sense of once I start to believe who I truly am and know what God says and internalize what God says about me. Because I can know it or I can read it, but as I internalize it, that's a level deeper than me just reading it off of a page. Internalizing it means I, to my core, believe what it says about Sinitra Skillern. That's to the level that I need to believe it. And as I strive to get there, the work ahead, it's going to be a lot of things. Joyous, ugly, challenging, triumphant, dare I say epic, since this is where we are. It is going to be encouraging to people. I pray that it inspires communities because this is not common just to me. I know this is something that is resonating with a lot of people. And so trying to unpack it, trying to figure out where this comes from, it's worth the effort because I'm worth the effort. One thing that I read, because I'm like, okay, let me do a preview. How am I supposed to do this? It's telling me what needs to be done, but I need I need some scripture on it because I need something to commit to memory so I can start this internalization process. And so one scripture in particular that was referenced in the workbook is 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. Now, I've read it in the King James and the New King James, but I said I'm going to read it in the NIV just a different translation just to see what it says and, you know, just get a little, just a little other um, um, interpretation. That's not the word I'm looking for, but we're going to go with it so I can read it. So, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Actually, 4 through 6. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And verse 6. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So since we're unpacking, I'm going to end by unpacking this scripture. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. That means when I compare myself to somebody else, that's a weapon. I'm, I'm fighting myself because I'm 
looking at somebody else or saying or I'm comparing myself to somebody else in the world. I'm not thinking about, hey, what does God say about me? I'm telling myself things that are harmful to me. It says, on the contrary. That means uh, opposite. <laughs> they have a divine power to demolish strongholds. So the weapons that I use should demolish strongholds. The thoughts that I think. My false identity. That's a stronghold for me. It holds me back. It makes me stuck. How do we do that? Verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension or every thought... Not just arguments, words you say, but thoughts before you say it. So not only what I say, but before I say it in my thought life, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So that's what my identity is, my true identity. What God knows about me. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now that's the part, how do I take captive of a thought? That's what I'm going to learn to do. I have to talk that thing out. I have to speak to it. Speak to my false identity. Speak to your false identity. With what? With what I know to be true about my identity in Christ. So, the weapons that I use are not the weapons of this world. They're mighty in God. And so as I think about that, as I think about that scripture to anchor myself in, as I unpack these excuses, as I think about how I'm going to have to renew my mind, which will then renew my actions, which will then manifest itself in my daily goal of achievement, the number may or may not if I ever achieve it but the number just becomes a byproduct it becomes you know an in, an indirect achievement because I'm thinking about what's happening daily and as those days accumulate then the goal becomes attainable obtainable and sustainable and so I know this is going to be a part two. Maybe somebody, you know, who is also uh, in this place of discovery, unpacking some excuses or just want to talk about their excuses. Because when we talk about things, there's healing in that. Um, there's transparency and vulnerability that just kind of breaks some chains when you're not suffering in silence. You are literally opening up your mouth and releasing those things out for some vulnerability and humility and maybe some accountability as well. And so I'm looking for that. But if it's me again, it's me again. It's, it's, it's fine either way. And so this was, whew, um, this was eye-opening for me uh, to, again, I'm just in chapter one. So as we get into chapter two and the rest of this workbook over these next few weeks, um, I will definitely have to do a check-in to uh, give an update on where I am with it. And where I am is where I am. I'm a work in progress. I am um, hmm, 
but I am really striving to be or to walk in the identity that uh, that God has for me, that he has created for me. And so I thank you for listening, um, for taking this ride um, and this journey with me. I do appreciate it. Um, if you would like to um, reach out to me, I have several socials, as you hear every time. But I am on Facebook as Sinitra Skillern. That's S-K-I-L-L-E-R-N. Um, I have a Facebook page for Epic Experiences. It is One Epic Experience. On Instagram, I am CC Skills, which is C-E-E-C-E-E -E 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 Skills. And then my IG for the podcast is also One Epic Experience. If you'd like to email me to maybe join me, I'm here and unpack some excuses or share an epic experience that may not be weight loss related. You can email me at oneepicexperience at gmail.com. I thank you so much. This has been epic. Remember, we ex um, encourage people and inspire communities. Thank you all so much. Till the next time.